Hi folks, before we get started, we'd like to talk to you about something super exciting. No, it's not Casper Mattresses or Blue Apron, it's the Box Not Included live show. That's right, we're going to be hosting and recording a panel at this year's Nine Worlds Geek Fest, which is going to be running from Friday the 4th of August to Sunday the 6th in Hammersmith, London. If you like our show, then Nine Worlds is definitely the convention for you. Yeah, the convention's focus is on media analysis, diversity, representation, all the things we love talking about, but there's also loads of entertainment such as sing-alongs, workshops, vendors, and it's family-friendly. So if you're interested, go to nineworlds.co.uk to book your tickets. If you want to see Box Not Included live or come to my workshop on getting started in D&D. Nice plug. Thank you. As well as all the amazing content the convention has to offer. Yeah. So we'll see you there. Hopefully see you there. and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, the milk on your crunchy nut, steel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jade, a halfling trapped in a human's body, Rose. And I'm Melissa, Netflix and don't touch me, Trenda. Yay! Yay. Back. And today is our fourth catch-up geek out. Fourth? Fourth? That's amazing, I cannot believe we've been running a podcast this long. Yeah, I don't know. Time is strange. But episode this is also episode 19, and that feels less big than fourth catch-up geek out, and I don't Does know Does that mean why. we should do them less frequently? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of things to catch up and geek out about. Yes! How is everyone? Yes. Yeah, I'm doing all right. What is that? You've, you've been having a fun week. <laughs> yep, I um, uh, was off at uh, E1, which is uh, Empire, Profound Decisions Empire, which is a LARP, which I enjoy muchly. Um, so that wiped me out. And then I had a, a week of trying to catch up from that and then working and, yeah, general exhaustion. <laughs> Funsies. Yeah, that's all right. All right. How have you been? Um, okay okay yeah no I'm currently recording while clinging to a hot water bottle so that might give you a bit of a clue <laughs> but um, no generally speaking I'm doing okay though at the time of recording this week both of my D&D sessions got cancelled mm. for various reasons so I am feeling very bereft right now and far too locked into myself as a human being and not nearly attached enough to my D&D characters which is very distressing <laughs> it's okay it's fine. It's fine. What about you, Hamish? Have you been? Um, I had a book launch that uh, you both attended. No, I didn't. Oh, wait. No, I you didn't. didn't. Oh, no! I assumed Jade had. I'm sorry. No, I, no, no. I had a mental breakdown. I Apologies for my autism inconveniencing you, Hamish. No, I actually... No, I'm... I really... Okay. I'm really glad you both didn't come because I really value the reasons... And, like, for example, you were LARPing. Yeah. So, I already know there's no chance (laughs) anything would get in the way of that. My my dear friend, I literally drove 40 miles to go to your wedding and then 40 miles back (laughs) to go to LARP. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, And also, I'm a big believer for you and, and for everyone that I don't think there needs to be reasons to cancel. Because... Even though I, you know, you had this breakdown, you explained it to me, I was yeah. very, very okay, and I would have yes, hated, what I meant is that I would have hated to have, to have been there and be really stressed out and really not enjoying yeah. it and feel obligated to. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer that you should just be able to say, no, sorry, I don't want to come to that. Yes. And it not be an issue. <laughs> I just felt like I wanted to explain because one, you're my friend. Yes. And two, I had committed to be going yes. and then was no longer going. If it had just been a straight out, can you come to this? I'd said, no, that's a different thing. But yes, I agree with you. Like being able to say no without prefacing it, not prefacing, without following it with an explanation, people should feel free to be able to do that. You don't owe mm-hmm. people explanations automatically. Yeah. If you choose to give one, that's yeah. your choice. People shouldn't demand that from yeah. you. Though I did see Facebook did a really weird thing mm-hmm. when you invited me to the page and I had the I had to say I couldn't go, but my only options were to say I'm coming or I'm not interested. That sounds Which is mean. a really loaded way of saying <laughs> I can't come. Yeah. I'm like, oh, 
well, fuck you, Facebook. <laughs> I assume it's not interested because of the way the notifications work. Whereas if you're interested but are still undecided, it will give you like notifications on that event. Yeah. Whereas if I you know. say not interested, then you won't get bothered by stuff about it. But I appreciate it's what you're saying still, about the wording it's choice. Still very it feels very passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> the um the event did go well. It Good. caused all kinds of uh there was a lot of there was like a queue of people and it's the same with Comic Con, just not remembering people's names when they remember yours and then you're having to like sign their name mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You're and just too famous. <sighs> Mr. Well, Big also Shot. the event, my name is everywhere on the table <laughs> in my event. Um, it was interesting seeing different circles of my life blending and mixing and seeing mm-hmm. people talk to each other. Felt like a weird crossover. Felt like crossover episode. Yeah, I felt like the Avengers or something. I was like, whoa, I'm seeing those two char- characters standing next to each other. I'm like, no, those are just people that know me. Is your original comic book AU of your life? Yeah. <laughs> comic book I've talked, AU. I've, I've, I often structure my life in terms of seasons of a TV show. Yeah. Like when, whenever p- flatmates used to move mm. out and get replaced, I thought, oh, that's just season three. Get <laughs> my new haircut. Have, and then you have significant arcs. Yeah. Like um, certain drama. Yeah. Um, that's how we all are. Yeah. Um, so, there's something I wanted, or we all wanted to... It's one of those, it's one of those brilliant moments where it turns out Hamish and I think really similarly, which shouldn't actually surprise us, but every time it happens it does. I'm like, oh, I love how we do this! <laughs> but, um, I suggested for our sort of more of a general starting topic, we talk about, um, the episode of the new Bill Nye show looking at, uh, the spectrums of gender and sexuality, to which Hamish was like... That's one of the things I wanted to talk about. But he didn't want to force it on everybody. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I Bill Nye is not really a established part of British childhoods. No. The-, the first time I ever found out who Bill Nye was was the end of the Ultimate Countdown or whatever that song was in the 90s. Oh my God, 2000s. The Ultimate Showdown. Yeah, yeah, the Ultimate Showdown, yeah. yeah. And then the, oh, the, and the final verse is an Out from the Rubble, something, something... Oh no, it's Mr. Rogers. Alright, exactly. well that shows you how much I know about like, Bill Nye. But I, was, I talked to American friends and they're just like, yeah, Bill Nye. That's yeah. cool. The t- TV gets wheeled out and... They watch Bill Nye. Yeah. So this was my first exposure and this is definitely like an adult Have you show. watched the rest of the episodes? So I've watched the first episode okay. and then jumped to the ninth episode. I've only watched the ninth one, but I have been doing a little bit of reading around and gauging of folks. Yeah. So I have a cultural knowledge of Bill Nye because I'm on Tumblr um and uh but i've never had bill nye with sound and in mm. the way the gifts sort of sap energy a lot yeah i was really really surprised by how uh painfully american the entire thing was <laughs> um and it was sort of it's your darn british sensibility i'm just so embarrassed for everybody doing anything <laughs> <laughs> I I just want to before we get into the the meaty chunk yeah. of that love getting ni- into meaty chunks. <laughs> that episode nine yeah I found the song bit like nails on a chalkboard excruciating so has anybody else watched Crazy Ex Girlfriend I have only watched the song Getting By okay so I so number one yes fantastic song yes uh, I watched all of it um, and it was really painful seeing that song because. It was, um, at its core, exactly as brilliant as all of her songs are, except, like, had they shot the sound person? Like, where was the backup singers? Like, it was just so empty and lifeless. And it was really sad, because the lyrics were great. Yes. And had it had the proper production in the way that the songs in the show have a production quality to them, um, they're all brilliant. Like, I love all the songs... Um, you should definitely watch all of I them. I do, yeah. It, Crazy Earth Girlfriend's on my list. Yeah, same. It was just, that happened, and I don't think the audience knew... What was what, going what on, to like, or what yeah. was happening. And, like, the chorus just fell flat, and she was, like, the... <laughs> she was trying so hard, bless her, but... but... But that energy that she has comes across so much better in the show that it's meant to be in. Yes. Not a science show for grown-ups. Yeah. Um, the, the other element, I felt stood out was the, the strange ice cream cartoon yeah about conversion therapy so i'm getting in here right now 
I really liked it. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I know what Hamish meant. I was like, this feels like they're stretching a metaphor, but I really liked the animation. I thought it was really fun. Like, it was I, awful. Okay, I just... I, first of all, I don't find Conversion for OP in any way funny. No. no. And it felt like... I don't know. And like, it just felt 10 years older than the rest of the show. Agreed. Like it was made in the same kind of like, I remember I used to do... Edutainment kind yeah, of. Yeah, I, I used to do this, um, I used to do talks at my school about LGBT awareness and things. And I used to play this animation about uh, LGBT stuff. And it it did the same similar things which kind of bothered me. And I think made me feel a bit down on the whole episode even though I do like it and we'll talk about more about the actual content in a second mm-hmm. um, which was I want to show this animation to people but it like starts with such an insult on the type of people that it should be educating like yeah. it's not for education yeah, I was it's gonna, for I was going to say the thing about that episode and that cartoon as what well, within it specifically and i want to talk a little generally about the the whole vibe is that is not that's targeted at a cishet person that i don't think they ever would have considered just how distasteful to people who the threat of conversion therapy actually is it's all like making it's mocking something and the problem i take with what well, i don't question like the good quality information within it a, th- a lot of the tone of the Bill Nye show is preaching to the choir and is very condescending to people that don't think that way, who are po- probably the people that most mm. need these lessons. And while I agree there are some people that you just like, you're being a moron, here is some information, that's the problem. You're immediately going to put people off who maybe should be listening to you. Like a lot of the people who are better educated are going to laugh along with them and go, oh, yeah, those people that think this is a f- works are ridiculous. Is a smacks a sort of smug condescension to people that aren't already up to speed, and I don't think that is necessarily the best way to run a show that pertains to and to educate people mm. and call yourself. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my problem with that cartoon and the cartoon I used to show is the cartoon I used to show started with like, "Hi, I'm a Christian and I believe this," oh. and like, it was so to make. Yeah, it was definitely preaching to the choir. And I do... I, I, the thing that I find interesting is that the Bill Nye's explanation about gender and sexuality has gone a little bit viral. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do, we, how do we feel about when, finally, when a scientist explains all the things and a self-identified yep. frequently cis white male scientist when he explains all the things we've been saying for years that's when people start yeah so it. it's the same thing uh, a couple of weeks ago that was a thing going around um there was i'm a man and um i discovered that sexism exists when i, ha- I started using a woman's name to answer work emails like are we all like aware of that yeah, thing? yeah yeah um and then there was a very good tweet can't remember who did it but like this you should not need to experience sexism firsthand to believe women who tell you that sexism exists mm-hmm. you like and that is similarly you see this a lot of like i wore a headscarf for a week and this is what i experienced and like yeah and all the same thing living off a pound for a week um yeah and i suddenly understand what poor people are like um it is a sort of Yes, maybe this is an important thing for Bill Nye to have done, hmm. but why weren't we believing the people that had the lived experience of this in the first place? I suppose it's because at the end of the day, especially at this part in this part of the world, the authority is deemed to be cis, straight, white, and by having somebody that ticks all those nice boxes going, no, even I know this now. Mm. Because it's a sad state of the world that we live in, but it still remains the depressing fact. Yeah. yeah. Like, some people are not going to accept regard- the truth, regardless of how much evidence they're given, unless it's being told to them by 
Yeah. But then again, I don't want to get too navel-gazy because the flip mm. side of that is, well, this is Bill Nye, it's a straight white man who is using his platform. privilege and mm. platform. So, um, Which is great. Yeah. yeah. Which we also are baying for as well. No, I thought it was a good, like... I mean, the show didn't need to have this episode at all. And mm, I'm pretty... Chose. Like, it's pretty cool that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought... Yeah, it was just it was interesting what it chose to focus on. What like for example, there like uh, we sent a reporter out saying was talking about K-pop groups, mm. and yeah. that was kind of interesting because I didn't think it was going to go in that direction in terms of um, yeah. On the on the plus side, it was refreshing to know that they went and looked at gender expression in a country that wasn't. Yeah, white. yeah. no, it's interesting, and I do, I do find that interesting. Yeah. Um, rather than just like here's a sad mm. trans person telling you yeah. their terrifying sad but life like, I, I, it's more positive and more yeah. like and I appreciated their awareness of self like we're here to talk to you about the perfect people two straight two cis white guys and I it's while well, at the end of the day it's lacking at the same time it's just like at least you're acknowledging your limited perspective and mm. that is refreshing rather than someone's going here I am and I know all to be the authority on the I subject. also appreciate like the, the on the spot report of it just being like yes I spoke to everyone in Seoul <laughs> <laughs> no it, um, the show has a, has a nice tone and it yeah. has whenever people do show up and they are I, I, I trust that it's because they're an expert in something mm. and I think it is a very important in the current world to actually respect or like acknowledge when people are experts in something and when mm-hmm. they have knowledge and training and reading in something and this is what they want to talk about because we're in a very facts don't matter kind of yeah era um and also i think we're all coming from a place of not knowing really who bill knight is too much yeah and i think him saying this as a very established part of like a whole generation's childhood mm-hmm. is very significant as well. Yeah. yeah. And I will say, I learned some stuff watching that. Like, I didn't know a lot about the biology, about the chromosome stuff. I learned some things. Mm. I wouldn't say a lot of it was new new, new, new news yeah. to me, but also, like, the splitting up into sex, gender, attraction, expression. and expression. I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And the yeah. way they talked about how those things didn't were not congruent with each other. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that was interesting to me. Um, so one of my earliest memories of um, encountering anything to do with transness mm-hmm. was uh, I had a, a little television in my room that my parents let me have for some reason and then, like, didn't think that I was going to be up at, like, <laughs> three in the morning on Channel 4. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a show about... Um, God, and then, like, this is, like... In the 90s, so before there was, I had certainly any consciousness of there being any kind of spectrum outside of straight and um, cis. Um, Talking about chromosomes and talking about how um, there are loads of different types of genitalia that you can have. There is not just penis and vagina. so yeah and that's i guess something that i'd not i'd assumed that everyone else kind Mm. of knew about because i'd Mm. learned about it at such an early age i mean i I knew about uh, intersex individuals and how that could be a thing but i didn't know about how did how many just how many different arrangements of those chromosomes there could be like i knew there was variety outside of xx and xy but knowing that i was like biology is amazing well Mm. i I learned so much in my sort of 3am channel 4 documentary things like there was one about lesbians as well which Mm. was like i will literally never forget this woman talking about having sex with another woman and being like well it's about you know being with someone who has the same body and how important that is and how beautiful and loving that can be because it's like a mirror of yourself and she said some beautiful things and like me as a tiny child being like well that makes sense (laughs) <laughs> and then it took me like three more years to realise I was queer as fuck but I'm like come on catch up yeah. Um, so yeah and I think also uh, it, so it's nice to have that presented again and reaffirmed by Mr Science Man mm. um, I was going to say I think a lot of the <clears throat> I did take umbrage to uh, when describing the sexualities they used attraction to sex rather than attraction to gender Mm. but I think for some people that does still equate the thing 
but having got done so well to explain that gender is not equated with biological sex to then say that so it was like swing and a miss like swing and a miss I always have this trouble working out sexuality just because I can be attracted to someone and not know their gender mm-hmm. and if they'd reveal their gender to me I, I don't know how much it will like affect my attraction to them yep yeah so I just ad- I just admire something saying repeatedly saying this is so much more nuanced and complicated yes. yeah. and like I got that feeling that even though everything he said it was with like it's also more complicated than this yes just as long as everyone respects each other and yeah, and I appreciate there, were, there was lots of about this is an ongoing thing, yeah. As well, like our understanding of it, which was and whether speaking to the panel of experts talking about that as well, was just sort of that going. This is the information as we have it now. This is not definitive, and it is more complicated. Yeah, mm. for for an episode. So I'm I'm so used to getting into like one episode things and mm. just being like, okay, this is going to be the repeat of the 101 that like I have listened to a billion times from a billion different sources. Mm. I actually thought it was a really it went in a lot further than I expected it yeah. to go. Sorry, I'm resisting the edge to giggle. It went yeah, a lot further. Right, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let, let it free. Let it go. Um, I feel like Netflix has been providing a lot of our recent entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Um, As we all know, I watch Netflix forever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, unfortunately. <laughs> um, this episode now. <laughs> this episode is going out after it's said, but well, we haven't it's seen been re- yeah it wasn't for it's being recorded before but released after season two of sensei drop and i have friend my friend one of my best friends who lives in chicago went to a screening of the first two episodes in no. chicago and has been going on about it and i know i follow a couple of reviewers and i'm like this sucks and everyone's saying it's better than the first season it no. takes everything you love and got rid of a bunch of the problems and it's better and i'm there like kill me <laughs> I want it now. It's just the most aggressively queer show that I've ever had they the pleasure of watching. Family of <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I've said before that I would. Um, I'm, I'm so um, invested in Hernando and Lito <sighs> that sometimes when it's not their plot, I'm a bit not as interested but I don't mean that as a detriment to the show I just think that every single character's plot could really work as its own show in, but apart like, from maybe Cop on White Bread well there's a lot of those shows already <laughs> yeah, no. but what I find very interesting is that they do work so well together and that his plot is more interesting for yeah. having been part of this show I know um, yeah. I mean yeah, we, will, we are going to have a Sensei episode we are going to possibly if we don't meet up and mainline the first season because I'm probably going to do that next week when it comes out but we will have an episode where we talk about sensei we'll probably get somebody else in to drink. maybe it'll be mel i'll kill him this was just <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> this mel is a preemptive insist. squeak yes this is a preemptive geek out but in terms of other netflix things um uh, yeah <laughs> you've been watching some stuff i've watched i've watched all of netflix all of netflix <laughs> it's really funny because every now and again emily my flatmate emily will come up to me and be like oh mel did you know this on netflix and i'm like yeah yeah i watched that about two weeks ago <laughs> I, I find that very impressive I'm, I'm so coy and uh suspicious about trying new shows my life is empty I fill it with media. Um, That's beautiful. Also, Justin and I, like, are just going through certain shows really slowly. Yeah. We're, like, on season five of Charmed of nine. <laughs> the seasons are so long. I love Charmed. <laughs> <sighs> it's so dated. The thing that really dates stuff isn't fashion or, like special effects it's opinions on relationships and what's yeah. considered healthy like uh anyway this is not me talking about Ap- apologies to you listeners <laughs> that was all water bottle being removed there is nothing untoward happening in the studio <laughs> could have possibly removed that without spotlighting it no apologies listeners all like check this out <laughs> um Anyway, talking about Netflix, you watch a lot of... Yeah, I watch a lot of Netflix because I um, I work, uh, as you all know, because you all have uh, heard my um, comment on this in previous podcasts, uh, at home uh, on a comic uh, called Bugantia. 
and uh, I fill that gaping void with Netflix. Um, I that does mean that I get to watch everything. Um, so I don't know what am I watching. <laughs> I uh, I watched um, two seasons of a fishing program. <laughs> And I got really into it and it was really nice. And like the man would go fishing and then he'd release the fish back into the river, but we'd give him a little kiss beforehand. <laughs> and no, 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 you laugh, right? And he got really attached to this, but there was one time when the fish was too uppity, so he couldn't give her he couldn't give her a kiss. And I got a bit emotional. <laughs> this is how sad my life is. Um but what else have I uh, uh the get downs? Part two, not season two, um, is glorious. Have you two watched any of it? No. I need to watch the get Please. down, and not just because members of the Hamilton original Broadway cast are it's in it. It's so good. It's so pure. It's joyful. Um, it's got emotional stuff in there as well. The mm. voice of the main character Zeke is. Oh, it gives me feelings like um, it encapsulates perfectly that like painful pubescence mm-hmm. um and like the first uh shot of him in actually in, in season one it's like sort of really really orange saturated and it feels quite hot and he's writing um some lyrics about this girl that he loves and like it's really powerful and his voice is so scratchy and i'm instantly have like massive amounts of empathy for him mm. and i hate all men as we know mm. so it's quite <laughs> <laughs> it's it's i think it's a uh, it's interesting to see what instantly bonds me to a male character um and yeah with zeke i really loved him from the start dizzy is another character that's really good and spoilers queer content for that um Mm. it's quite hard to just i could just tell everyone how much i love it you definitely, should watch it. Definitely recommending that. Listeners yeah. do watch it. And then in the in the gap between part one and part two, I then watched everything Netflix had to do about hip-hop. So I know a lot about hip-hop now. <laughs> um, yeah, Netflix has got some good documentaries on Cool Herc and Africa Mabada and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Nice. That's me. <laughs> um, my Netflix watching has recently been the new series of Drag Race. Yeah. Um, I've talked about it before on the Guilty Pleasures episode, but I don't know if it's a Guilty Pleasure. It's kind of interesting. Every time there's a new series, there's a new... It gets, like, another wave of... I've heard it described the not-wees, which means, like, non-queer people watching your thing. Not-wees? Like, not us. It's just called the not-wees. I used to hear it in Doctor Who discussion, but I think it was a bit gatekeepering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't want to say spoilers because you haven't caught up, but um, there's a bit of a question about the fact that um, there's been a lot of trans women contestants, uh-huh. um, and this one has the first one who's out before the show starts. Yeah. All right. Um, but it peppermint. hasn't peppermint. Yeah. But it wasn't mentioned at all, and there was a kind of a discussion about like. Is she out? Is she actually out in the show? Well, she was out in her promo stuff for it. But they filmed that afterwards. Oh, and, like, why? all these questions. But it's funny to be mentioned in the show. Okay, cool. Um, nicely. And my now worry is that the only other um, queen to have come out on the show... Got voted off next episode. Like, left next week. Yeah, so... Yeah. I have the same kind of... Don't think that didn't go unnoticed. Um, worries. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting because it's just... The show has such a platform now, it could really have this open discussion, but it doesn't really want to. It's up to the queens to have this discussion. Yeah, so I, I, I get the impression a lot of the time, and you spoke on previous podcasts about the type of privileged LGBT audience that don't want to politicise everything, mm. um, and that existing as a non-political body is actually privileged, and... The idea that Drag Race wants to exist in this vacuum where they can just do these things without acknowledging that what they're doing is political by yeah. existing um, and that they have responsibility to talk about that sort of thing. Or do they? I mean, you know, Bob talked about it. The, um, in the individual queens do a lot. Um, I mean, they've, they've had a, a trans winner, Jinx Monsoon. Um, Jinx. 
who identifies as trans. They have quite a few come out as... I genuinely believe loads of the contestants would identify as gender-fluid or non-binary if the information was out there. Yeah. Because so many of them talk about not putting on women's clothes. They... They are. They are women. Yeah. Or they're... You know, it's... It's kind of interesting. You you see certain contestants who very much view this is a character I play. Um, some of them are very much this is how I be me. Mm. Some of them are I don't really see any difference. I just sometimes wear makeup, sometimes don't, and um, I find that very interesting. And it's just kind of a case by case basis. Whereas the show ultimately is a reality TV elimination con- competition show still, yeah. and it's really fun for that. I do genuinely believe it's one of the best ones. I've watched like a lot of Project Runway. <laughs> and yeah. it's fun but at the end I'm just like you just go home there's not a lip sync like why <laughs> all, all re- I think this was brought up possibly on Rose Buddies all reality TV would be greatly improved by the finale involving a lip sync <laughs> bake off <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes 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 um, do one so I've been, I've been watching that but I've also uh, been watching Doctor Who <laughs> um, I know you've I have a very Trailed little off. to contribute to this conversation. No. What do you think about this season of Doctor Who? I want to marry Bill Potts. I want her to be my wife. <laughs> she's, a, she's a she's she's fucking amazing. Yeah, this season is really odd because it's it is Stephen Moffat's last. It's Peter Capaldi's last, mm-hmm. but they're treating it like season one. Mm. Like it's they've got rid of anything at all arc like previous arc related. Mm-hmm. They've introduced a character. They've done the. They've taken a very long time to do the whole, like, this is what a sonic screwdriver is, this is what the target... Like, it's completely season one. But I also know it's all going to get rebooted again next year. It's really interesting, um, and I'm really digging the arc that's already starting to emerge, this relationship between uh, the Doctor and Bill. A lot of people are comparing to Seven and Ace, like that sort of quality to their relationship. And I'm very invested in their relationship with each other. And also just Bill as a character, I feel like, as well as the fact that she's a lesbian, mm. she's amazing. And the fact that she's a woman of colour is just wonderful to see on yeah, fucking she, television. She's not, it's also not incidental in the last episode. No, she the last about episode. Being black a lot. Yes. And there were a lot, uh, there was gags about it. There was this great moment about Regency England's a lot more black than I thought it was. It was most of history. So was, so was Jesus. Did they make that joke? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Regen- Regency England is so much more is much more black than history would let me believe and um or than I would think and the doctor really goes so was Jesus history is a whitewash oh right um, maybe I'm going to start with this again <laughs> I was going to say um it's not without its flaws there was a gag at the beginning of the first episode which was just like oh we're going to start off with fat phobia that feels uh, really out of character for this character we have just is, met yeah it was bizarre like this even doesn't though, feel like something she would say even though i did like the first episode mm-hmm. i feel the two episodes i've had so far not written by Stephen moffat were a lot better yes. in terms of i mean they haven't mentioned her sexuality but i've talked before about how it's still representation if you've put in the mm-hmm. word like she's still a lesbian yeah doesn't make her less yeah. of a being. The, mm. Bill, uh, Bill as a person is just a wonderful, wonderful human being. So free from pretense. And her arc is so interesting already. And I'm really excited for the next episode because it's got Peter Suchet in it. And it's like, oh, it's a haunted house mystery. I just think it's... it's <sighs> this is kind of... What, when we say about what we were missing in Doctor Who, what we want from Doctor Who... This really feels like... I saw this great tweet um, from Gavina, uh, Hello Taylor, who writes for The Daily Dot, who... um, Doctor Who is so tied into British culture. Um, And this most recent episode did a really good job of addressing some of the deeply unpleasantness that is, like, throughout our history. And it was really great to see... Yes, we love where we are. We are British and we are proud to be British. We have done some fucked up shit. And they're sort of not mm. sugarcoating that. And especially when it's a show that's aimed at families and at children, that becomes so much more important. But also we got to see the Doctor punch a racist in the face. <gasps> it was interesting because usually the first companion's trip to the past is like, oh, isn't the past wonderful? I'm a, like, mm. ooh. Like even, they've done little things before, like, but even Amy's first trip to the past was to World War Two, mm. but it was still kind of like a, 
Churchill's fun. Let's have fun, fun, mm. fun. And this was just like... Let's address poverty as, and industrialization and... The first thing Bill says before she sets out the TARDIS is like, slavery is still totally a thing. Mm-hmm. And the doctor, the doctor reflects. He doesn't like. He doesn't wisecrack it off. He's no. just like, oh yeah, yeah, that definitely is. So, as in, Bill is saying slavery is still a thing in the current day. Oh, or no, the, like or in, in eighteen forty. She's given the year. Okay, cool. Um, so I've sort of just thought about the idea of like, if you are a time traveler, then all pasts exist simultaneously, mm. which means that slavery is still happening in your own lifetime, if that makes mm. sense. Because I mean, if you have slavery is still around. Well, like, yeah, this is true. Yeah. But, um, but also, because everything is in the past, you might also, especially if you're that old and have seen that much, your brain might go, oh, um, oh, that's still a thing then. Oh, right. And there was actually a line I really liked when Bill's talking about how, um, but I'm in the past, what if I change everything i do could change the future yeah, and the doctor said that's, everything that's every, every day of life yeah which was lovely um, i like that i just feel they're doing a really good job with and not just how, like i thought the doctor's really good he's mm. um he seems respectful and mm. um alien in a nice way where he's a little bit mm. um and i don't know it just feels yeah there's something about the vibe of the season it's very s- slow paced and patient and mm. it's not rushing it's not throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks it's taking its time to tell yeah. you a story that sounds like a TV show that I could get back into and also there was some really interesting stuff about morality and how being very old and would skew that and that what you were just saying about time travel as well uh, he says about how I, um, I'm 2,000 years old I don't have to I've learned I don't have time for outrage mm. and it's but some really interesting stuff about morality and how Bill's not okay with seeing people die. No. Like, that's at very all. cool. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the things that um, uh, in fantasy a lot, the, with Brigantia that I tried to pick out, so Chris's uh, original version of the script um, just had uh, people see Brigantia and see the violence and, you know, you know, Pravin gasps. And I just went through the whole script and was like, Pravin cries in terror! <laughs> Anna begins weeping at the horror! And I'm just like... This shit, like, it really, really should matter, and I, I'm tired of stuff. Like, fantasy does not give you um, the license to take somebody out and then for them to just be fine and normal with everything that goes on. And mm. you need, like, that is the human's role in the entire series, surely, is to be the litmus test for the horrors and the trials that the mm. Doctor breezes through. Yeah. We are the humanity in that show, so we should. Mm. What's interesting, the yeah, and what's interesting is a bit later in the episode, um, the Doctor has this great little speech about progress, which is brilliantly skewed by the villain in a perfect note for the character. Um, but it's just like an empire's progress should be measured by the least, by the smallest life. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is yeah. why I like this the show. Value, the value you put on the most unimportant Person. life, not born and privileged. Like mm. that's that is the mark of progress. Yeah, it's just it's interesting. I feel like just. Moffat's era is going to be remembered for a m- number of things. I think his intention was to play with the format as much as possible mm. and see what you could do. Yeah. And it, this seems like, I oh know, RTD kind of worked out. It was kind of just really good human characters with an alien. Yeah. yeah. No moon eggs. Right. <laughs> That's so, the episode I tapped out. Here's, 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 here's me doing a really cool social way right now. Speaking of humans and alien relations, you've been playing Mass Effect, right? <gasps> That's a good <laughs> I've been oh, God, sorry. Um, someone pointed out that if Bill is a lesbian and into sci-fi then it's guaranteed she's a Mass Effect fan <laughs> she mentioned sci-fi a lot um, the actual truth is I haven't been playing Mass Effect oh um, I this is going to be quite short but basically Mass Effect Andromeda came out and I was excited because I have a lot of feelings about my time playing Mass Effect before mm-hmm. and I didn't have the money to get it straight away but I saw everyone's reactions and was like oh got a bad feel about the Scoob <laughs> um, <laughs> and I got it because I was like it doesn't matter how bad I hear about this game it's inevitable that I'll get it because I want to have my views and like I stopped at character creation I was so depressed oh my god really oh, no. um for some reason, the character creation is the most limited it's ever been, to the point where the first thing on the menu is like play as the default character, 
And then at the bottom is like, customize a character if you want. And the customization is like, here are some, here are eight faces we've decided. And you can maybe tweak them slightly, but you can't like choose, you can't mix and match or anything. Um, I think the excuse given is that in the game, you have a sister and a father and they want there to be family resemblance. But I also don't care. You I, guys can't see, but the face man's coming right now is glorious <laughs> and he's summing up the mood nicely in the room. There's a lot of, pro- like, and this is all coming from a secondary source, and every time I talk about this on Twitter, there's always a few people to re- correct me. Fuck them. <laughs> we love our fans. Thanks for following us on Twitter. Um, no, no, the box that included fans is great. I can't speak for everybody that follows you on Twitter. That's, that's true. Um, it's just that... <sighs> I've long believed that if some, if a company just made a dating sim with the same production values and acting and like everything that one of these big games have, it would make so much money because yep. that's what I actually care about. Mm-hmm. And this game, there's, yeah, I was gonna say, there's a reason why I forget—is it Origins? Like it, where people I've seen people call that Dragon Age game, Dragon Age dating sim. Yeah, that's what I am invested in, and. I, so, in Mass Effect Trilogy before, um, almost everyone I know played as um, a female, your character's called Shepard, um, as Femme Shep. Mm. And I didn't, because it's very, very, very important for me um, to see characters like, you know, who have the role of a starship captain be gay men. Um, I don't... I Like... I also I don't need it, but also I can point to a few sort of strong <laughs> in quotation marks strong female character like space. That's our other jar. Um, <laughs> that counts. Um, There's a few jars, guys. There's a few. Uh, and I just I, I can't think of anyway. It's just very important to me. I'm very invested in that, and um, the options for men loving men in Mass Effect Andromeda are pretty insulting. Um, There's one character you can date who is not part of your squad and isn't one of the fleshed-out characters. And all these relationships kind of inevitably end up with some kind of sex scene. There are things that they're fixing to make that so that doesn't happen. Because in all these games, you can either choose to have sex with them or dump them. Oh, as, they, wow. like, as the like what? final as a com- a combination. The, the final statement of if you're together which is pretty bad but. that's problematic <gasps> I just wanted to do that <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you see these sex scenes and every time I talk about this on Twitter I think people think I'm just being like a pervert but it's like it's more than this in any sex scene involving a woman <laughs> it's not just being a pervert it's not just that that's, that's incidental um in any sex scene involving a woman, it's pretty full on. And the one between two men fades to black. Yeah, like, all my Yeah, away. it's not treated the same. That's the thing. It's not treated the same. Um, and I find that... Either everybody gets a tasteful fade to black, or nobody gets a yeah, tasteful like, fade to black. I don't know. I just... I feel a bit... I used to be so grateful that there was any representation in games. I just feel I'm playing... My love for Mass Effect comes from a very different place that the games make it for. And... I'm. That's my Mass Effect gripe. I wish. I want the gay space opera. I think it is, and the came the makers aren't making that game and never will make that game. So they should go on making that gay space opera. Yeah. I don't know. Someone needs to. Well, I, I've heard a lot of not specifically along those lines, um, but just in general that Andromeda has been a pretty mediocre game. And that this is a very bad time for a mediocre game to be coming out, considering the high quality of other games that are currently available. It does feel exact. Like, Mass Effect's now quite an old franchise. It's over 10 years old. Uh, and it feels like Mass Effect 1. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. Like, Isn't there issues with, like, a trans character that's dropping also, their dead name into conversation? Like, I, I, don't, a, I do not know the specifics. I'm not a gamer. I'm not into Mass Effect. This is all I have no, heard, like, second, third, fourth hand. I've read a lot of articles from um, Laura K. Buzz. Oh, okay, yeah. Who does a lot of, like, trans perspective on video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, from what I gathered from that, it's, hello, my name is blank. I used to be called blank. Oh. And I'm like, this is set in the far distant future of humanity, and people are still... Being... I don't know. Who, it, nobody does that. 
It's yeah. very frustrating to me in games when my view of the future doesn't just involve spaceships, it involves a certain like way of talking and way of behaving around people. And lots of sci-fi doesn't mm-hmm. do this. It kind of transports all the views from nowadays into the future. Yeah. It's... Ugh. Sounds pretty gross. Well, I think still... isn't it how sci-fi and how uh, a, a piece of media portrays the future says more about the time that it was set in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, one of the things that blew my tiny mind was um, when I was watching uh, 60s sci-fi stuff mm-hmm. for the first time, the ideas of what the 60s thought the future would be like there's no concept of tablets and that kind yeah. of thing um, carry on guys yeah. um, apologies <laughs> listeners somebody's decided to start soaring or drilling outside it's really rude <laughs> um, but yeah you know our idea of what the future looks like is not um, not what the future will look like yeah uh, that's my thing that I yeah. shot me about Star Trek it's not the track. future that liberals want no <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So that's just reminded me um, of a great conversation that I had at Nine Worlds a couple of years ago, which was like, so if Mad Max is happening in what was Australia, mm. <laughs> and then if it's Judge Dredd that's happening in the in America, that would fair. What's happening in the UK? And then we're all like, well, Reign of Dragons would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, a friend of mine spurred on by that was just like, what do you think Mad Max would look like in the UK? I said, Matt, the UK couldn't achieve desert if it wanted to. Mm. I reckon we're all going to be knee-deep in water. Well, it'll yeah. be the, it would be the swampy gonna, green place. We're going to be swampy green people. We're gonna, yeah, hopefully not quite so oily looking. But that's my theory, and I have lots of fun thoughts. But that's beside the point. Let's talk about something... What do Bring a breath of fresh air to the conversation, Mel. A breath Mel. of fresh air, my gosh. Well, seeing as we were on games, perhaps we could talk about a breath of the wild. Oh, you stole my amazing segue. I'm with sorry. a better segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, people that know me uh, know that I am... Um, I don't identify as a gamer as much, but I probably have more hours of game time than most gamers but I only play one game and that is Skyrim (laughs) it is my child and I love it Um, but I've recently found a game that is uh, rivaling uh, that game in its place in my life which is Zelda Um, uh, as context for this I have never played any other Zelda because I, as a child, did never uh, did not have a uh, Nintendo console. I had a PlayStation Two. So the game that I grew up on was Dark Cloud. Um, I have recently found um, a group of other sad individuals <laughs> that were denied the childhood experience of Zelda and also had grown up in Dark Cloud, and we are a tight-knit group bonded by trauma. <laughs> um, uh, I love that game, but maybe that's a different discussion. But yeah, Breath of the Wild! Hamish, my buddy, my pal. What a good game. It is pretty good. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I mean, I've played every Zelda game. Yeah. Um, and... It's very interesting that it's kind of gone back to being an adaptation of the very first NES game. Yeah. Before all the like other stuff got clogged on. So I found what's really interesting is um, playing it and then assuming that everything in it was the staple for every game prior to this game. So like gliding is new for Breath of the Wild or relatively um, new. Yeah, there was an item you could use in one of them that did the same thing. Um, I think it's... But gliding is such a huge part of my Breath of the Wild game. Yeah. And the big thing in this is the, like the whole climbing stuff. The yeah. idea that every single thing in the game you can climb. Except when it's raining! Except when it's raining. <laughs> that does thwart my plans. No! I'm so angry with it. Like, I don't know. I've, I've um, not played... Uh, I've not played any of the main quests because the way I play Skyrim and the way I play Zelda is to poof around doing everything but the main quest. Um, maybe there's going to be some kind of item that allows you to climb when it's raining. I don't know. But, yes... I love that the environment affects your game and I love that the environment can be part of the problem solving of your game. But if you've made a game that is 90% climbing, don't <laughs> make it in- don't make it impossible to do 30% of the time. Like what? Stop. <laughs> <Hamish>. <laughs> I can't solve this problem. I know what I do in those situations. What do- 
What do you do? I find any kind of cover. Right, but it's raining, so you can't build a fire, and then you can't wait it out because. I, I find some cover. No, it is very, very stressful. The one thing I, I would she's say... she's halfway up the mountain at the time as well. I would say that I wish... Because I did the same kind of poodle around. Yeah. I wish I'd done a bit more of the main quest just to get certain things that make exploring way easier <laughs> and then done all my poodle around. Yeah. And, like, um, yeah. Because there's I... some little things. There's, like, stuff you can get. Yeah, well, I, I worry um, a little bit about sort of not understanding well if you're not doing the main quest there's in an open sandbox game there's no way of really being told what the gradient is like the learning curve of the game is but i actually find this game is pretty good at smacking you down if you're doing something that you're not really supposed to be doing at that point because you will end up stumbling into some guardians and they will kill you yeah <laughs> straight up you die a lot in this game but there's not too much consequence to dying yeah I really um, enjoy that because well, it's, it's part of it's not really something that punishes you that much it just sort of is like well it's more try again. It's, instead of like super punishing you for dying it's more like oh you probably need to come back here later yeah well it literally has a tip that says that yeah um, but yeah I love it it's just really nice it's really I mean I play in Skyrim sort of meditate and this is sort of doing the same thing you just spend a couple of hours on it collecting some mushrooms yeah there's so for example I've completed it and I've done I say I've completed it but I've not because yeah, yeah. there's like 900 Korok seeds oh uh, there's like all these little things that say well you can stop now or you can keep doing this to get this or you can keep doing this That's to this really it's just nice and Talking about Mass Effect in comparison, Nintendo has always been like the company that's felt a little bit behind because they were so far ahead when everyone caught up yeah. and then exceeded. And so for ages, this game was coming out and it was saying like, it's Nintendo's first attempt to do a, like a big sandbox open yeah. world. And I assumed it would be like, oh, Nintendo's sad little attempt. <laughs> but it's like doing so it's much. It's brilliant. It's so much better than a lot of, it's the first really open world I've played. Um, I haven't played Skyrim. Yeah, okay. But, like, <laughs> it's it just does a lot of things which are better. And I really, I love it. I love it so much. And the, one of the things that's frustrating me, though, is that it, it goes to such loving effort to flesh out characters and villages, but then, and sets up dilemmas, but then doesn't really let you explore those interpersonal dilemmas as much. Like, so there's one in, I think, in the first village, uh, you read a diary and it's this, this girl is like, I'm so sad, I'm so unhappy, I can't go outside, it's too dangerous, I want to see the fireflies, without the fireflies my life is pain. I think it's literally that. And, like, I can't work out how to interact with that. And, like, I was playing with Paul, and I think Paul just got out a handful of flyflies and just threw them at her yeah. in her house. But it didn't work! Oh. Oh, is that supposed to work? I don't know. I don't know that thing. No, I know, but, like, <laughs> we just... It's... it's not very deep in the whole, like, relationship I know, but I so stuff. want it to I be... Know. As much as I would... And I am having a really good time watching Royal Hamish geek out about... Uh, this I feel like we're probably going to have to wrap fairly soon but we all talked about maybe podcasts we wanted to mention and you know podcasts love podcasts I feel like we owe it to our medium to uh, (laughs) to do some shout outs so um, I'm going to mention Friends at the Table I mentioned this briefly in our Indie Games episode Um, I am just sort of making my way into it and there's a wealth of content there but showing the different ways of um different systems but always with this interesting group of people who prioritize creative storytelling and interesting characterization it's really engaging maybe skip the first four episodes but there's a couple of really good um like things out there and even they created a first episode talking about these are their arcs they have one that's a heist drama and i'm like oh no oh no found families and there's a heist story oh no I will probably, when I get to that arc, I'll likely yell about it very loudly directly into the microphone, much to Hamish and uh, Graham's chagrin. But that's a late date. But by all means, check it out. If you're already a listener, let me know who you like, what you like. Um, well, I've been listening to... I've been catching up with The Adventure Zone, as I always am. It seems to be a constant in my life. But I've also been <laughs> listening to Bunker Buddies. 
And the reason I want to mention Bunker Buddies, it's an apocalypse podcast, and it has exactly the tone I want for... So, for example, I would love to do a supernatural ghosts and cryptids and things podcast. And I'm like, I'm very infused by it, but I also want like the caveat of, I also think it's a big joke, but I'm not mocking it. So I, I heard, I, you know, bunker buddies, I thought would be this survival podcast where it's like, what are we actually going to do? And like, it's real. It's a comedy prep. It's a comedy prepping. It's, it's comedy, but like at the same time, they're still like, this is really interesting. And also it's frustrated me because they often talk about, scenarios that are from films mm. and it just makes me annoyed at some films yeah like in their robot uprising episode i suddenly got really annoyed at age of ultron <laughs> like because i'm just like that ultron would be so interesting uh, if like yeah. let's not get on it's really sparing me creatively i really love the tone it's very funny there's a few early episodes where they talk about things which are very binary in terms mm. of like gender they get better um they get better um i love andy on the podcast she's hilarious her like Tra- travis tends to bring up like oh this sounds like a hellish thing she's like sounds amazing in their episode they address like what if all of one gender got wiped out like why the last man thought she's, she's like if i'm the only woman i am like queen and like it was, she, I, think, was like, I think you would dig it bro. yeah no, no, that was funny it's just like yeah. i get my choice of men i'm the hottest woman on the earth i get, <laughs> I get all movie roles like this is amazing okay. and he's like this is hell it's like no no like do it when can it happen <laughs> interesting <laughs> but they're they yeah it's travis mcelroy who hamish and i mention yeah. frequently we really should possibly have a mcelroy's jar yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes but we can um, donate it to max fun we could donate to max <laughs> But Mel, um, I know you've been sort of like languishing in, with all your numerous podcasts you listen to, but is there any in particular you wanted to shout out to that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, so com- comedically, um, one podcast I really like, it's a lot of fun, it's called No Such Thing As A Fish, and it is the QI Elves have a little podcast that they do. They're actually getting pretty successful, and they do live shows. It's really lovely, um, just as like sort of background listening. Um, but one of my favourite podcasts, um, less comedically, is uh, NPR's Code Switch, which is um, a look at uh, America's relationship with race, um, like presented by people who aren't white, um, which is really, really good and um, jumps straight in. There's no sort of race 101, um, cool. which is like something, you know, sort of uh, to keep track of. Yeah. Apologies, dear listeners, I am having an audio nightmare right now because there's drilling happening at the back and I'm fairly certain there's a plane going overhead and this house is like eggshell thin. So apologies, you guys might be hearing none of this, but I can hear it all when I'm here, like, looking at my levels, like... <laughs> but we've got something sad to tell you, listeners. Well, for the time being, anyway, this is going to be Mel's last episode on your yeah. three-episode mini-arc. I'm going back to the dungeon. Your guest role. Um, you we could only afford you for three episodes, yeah. and now you're you going could. back to movies. Yeah, that's true. The high glamour life of movies and don't life. you hate it when shows cast someone super famous as someone's parent, and then they can't like, <laughs> be in scenes where their parent would be. Well, I'll mm. leave you with all these unfulfilled plot threads, and perhaps I can return when I have crashed and burned and need money for heroin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be all too happy to facilitate you in that. Um. The other thing I'd like to mention is this Saturday. Yeah, this Saturday. Um, I'm going to be at London MCM Comic Con uh, selling my books, um, as ever, in the Comics Village. So please come say hello. Um, I may even be there uh, for some of the day. I'm going as a punter on the Saturday. I will be in cosplay. They will, I was going to say, you'll probably recognise me. Um, <laughs> I may be at Hamish's table some of the day, but if you're a fan of the show and you see one of us, I'll put a picture up on the box not included Twitter of where we are. Yes, we might um, do a mini meet. Yeah, maybe we'll do a, a mini periscope Yeah, from or, your table. Yeah. I'd love to talk about MCM. We are going to be doing conventions as part of our live show, which... We info. need to talk about that off yeah. there because um, I don't know what we're doing. But, um, yeah, MCM's an interesting 
twice. Yeah, but um, if you if you if you're there and you're a fan, come let us know. Maybe Hamish will give you free merch. I don't know. Um, not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. <laughs> I might give you free merch. I'll find some merch. <laughs> we haven't got any box included merch. Donate to the problematic jar. Mm. We could make problematic jars. That's two tanks, guys. Oh, sorry. Uh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Thanks to you. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, thank you for listening guys as always we are so happy that you've tuned in and we would maybe ask of you to rate to review and to please subscribe iTunes podcasting app of choice wherever you're lurking Um, we also also always accepting questions for our regular no box box pop episodes send us anything queer and nody that you'd like us to talk about or episode suggestions yeah we're just always happy to hear from you Um, oh we should thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord, Master of the Soundwaves, for our theme music and help producing the podcast. This is kind of a loud one, so hopefully he won't yell at me. <laughs> um, but you can check out more of his work at GrahamWaller.com and his own podcast, The Mix Cave. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, we are Box Not Included on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and at gmail.com. Uh, we also have our individual Twitters. I'm at Rose. I'm at Hamish Steele. And I'm at Tarragon, not spelt like Tarragon. <laughs> 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 but until next time I'm Jade Rose I'm Hamish Steele I'm Melissa Trander and don't let anyone box you in <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>